Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I am the co-chair of the Women's Advocacy Group, a subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female perspective on the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women, and if you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the month of February. Love is in the air, and there are a ton of observances during February, and This woman who I brought on, I think, is such an advocate and fun person that demonstrates a little bit of all these monthly weeks and observances and days. So check this out. We've got National Make-A-Friend Day. We have Galentine's Day. We have Be Humble Day, Self-Renewal Day, Time to Talk Day, National Hug Day, Latte Day. And the list can go on and on this February. But when I heard of all these days, I thought of my one friend, Jane Schlechter. Jane, welcome to the Baroness Podcast. Hi, Brooke. Thank you for having me. Jane, you're a wife, mother, everything in between. You're a powerhouse. You're an attorney and not just any attorney, trial attorney working for the city of Philadelphia, some tough, tough things going on in your life day to day that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jane. Let's see. I've been a lawyer for probably 23, 24 years, a mother for 11 years. I have three kids, an 11-year-old boy, a 9-year-old boy, and a 7-year-old girl. Um, They are all in the Morristown Public School District, 5th grade, 4th grade, and 2nd grade. They keep me very, very busy. Um, When I'm not with them, I'm working as an attorney in the city of Philadelphia. I've held this job for close to 20 years, I do tax litigation for the city of Philadelphia, and that tax collection funds schools in the city. So we try to collect money from delinquent taxpayers, and that will fund the school district to keep kids in school, books and classrooms, technology, keep the building safe, all the things that you can think of to keep a school up and running. So you're doing a lot of that for the city of Philadelphia, but I also know you and the community, Burlington County community also knows you for helping out uh, the Home and School Association. You do a lot locally on the community level also to support schools. What are some things that you do? So with three kids in the school district, you're very involved in day-to-day activities and uh, events that happens at the school. So two of my boys, well, both of my boys are in the upper elementary school and my daughter's in um, the lower elementary school, Baker School. So I am currently the book fair chair of Baker. I am the sub chair for the book fair at the UES. And I also run Project Democracy and volunteer for odds and ends here and there, recess runners, lunch programs, um, any other way I can really get involved. Well, that's just a, that, that's a lot. And I think one of the things that I thought of you about talking to you about, because I think this is a struggle for most women in these empowering positions and strong leadership positions, is how do you manage it all, right? You have this amazing career that 
I am sure is way more than the normal weekly, hourly, uh, you know, uh, time allotted. And then you have your family life, you have your community involvement. And then with having all those kids, you have tons of other extracurricular activities that aren't taking place within the regular school day that are post-school time and weekend time. And so how do you manage as a working mom and a working woman, how do you manage all that? When my firstborn, Liam, um, arrived in December of 2012, I had just taken a new position within, um, within my field, same niche. It's a whole new job, a whole new firm I was at. And I had taken that job right before my maternity leave. And I had that maternity leave to really think about, did I want to go back to work as an attorney? Or did I want to stay home and raise my son? Um, I took my maternity leave. It was great. But I found myself lacking that organization and prioritizing things in my life because it was a lot of just, it was December, December, January, February. They're cold months. You're not going out. Nobody's visiting. You have a newborn. It was very isolating. Um, I started my new job in March and I was very worried those first couple weeks, couple months. I said to my husband, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I have a newborn at home. He's three months old and he's with you most of the day because my husband works at home and I feel like I miss him. But at the same time, as I, as week went by and another week went by, I felt invigorated and I felt that need to be back in the courtroom and back being a trial attorney. And at that point I said to myself, well, how do I figure out how to be really good at my job, but really good as a new mom? I had no idea what I was doing. And it was, oh, it was really hard. It was really hard to figure yeah. out how to get home at five o'clock. Your newborn's home. Yeah. Did he already eat? Did he already sleep? What's his nap schedule? And then <laughs> finally get on a schedule and I find out I'm pregnant again, <laughs> 10 <laughs> months later. Oh and I was thought to myself, okay, well, this is a sign. This is a sign that this is going to be too much. And this might be my stay at home time. Maybe this is when I become a stay at home mom and I leave my you know, 15 year legal career behind me and maybe I'll pick it back up. But the same thing happened. I was home with my second son, Connor, and I have these, I have a 10, what, what was it at that point? 18 months, Liam was 18 months and Connor was a newborn. It was the summer and the summer is much different, right? So you're out, people are around, you're walking around, you're going to restaurants. We had still lived in Philadelphia. But again, I felt that need to go back to work and do what I feel really good at doing. You needed your outlet. You needed to follow your passion. You were empowered again, but you know, uh, women, we feel, we feel like if we don't do that, we're like bad people, right? I feel like society puts that on women sometimes they, that it's like, they do. And it's, yeah, it, it's twofold, it's right? Tough. Because when you're in the workplace, mm -hmm. you don't want to work all night. You want to, mm -hmm. I mean, sure. there was times that my husband would call me and be like, the kids are a mess. It's four o'clock. And I just wanted to hightail out of my job to get home mm -hmm. and be with my kids. On the flip side, it was, I can't believe you're leaving your house at 7 a.m. to go to work when you have two littles who haven't gotten up yet. So you get the bias at home and you get the sure. bias in the workplace. So how do you mesh that? Well, I'm very lucky in that I went to my boss and I was like, look, this is very difficult for me. And I had a, I did a part-time nanny and then a daycare. Um, and that worked out really well. But I just felt, I felt like there wasn't enough time in the day. Something was missing. Something yeah. was missing. And what was it? I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't my job. It wasn't the kids. It wasn't my husband. We had a lovely life. Have a lovely life. Um, 
so I had I decided to go flex time. So what that has done for me is allowed me to be in the office, but also if I need to leave at three, it's not a big deal. If I need to pick up at seven o'clock at night when everybody's quiet, I can do that. And it has been, I, I, w- I would wish for every workplace to allow women to do that because that has been so beneficial to me. It has allowed me to keep up on my job. I still do trial work. I'm still in court. But when I have meetings at the school or it's book fair week, for example, book fair week, I'm pretty much, I'm in work Mondays and Tuesdays and then Wednesday through Friday, I'm pretty much incommunicado because there's no, there's no reception in the most Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm working. But you're, but it's like being present and it allows you to be present in, in those aspects that are meaningful to you, right? So you can be present at your career. hundred percent. And have that access and be present in your family life. Right. And that's a struggle. I think it's a struggle for us all. And you'll find me sitting at book fair and in my downtime or when I have a lot of volunteers, I'll pick up my work phone and I'll answer a few emails if I have people who can like just kind of pick up the slack where I can't do it at the moment. And that works out really, really well. I've, I've found a really great balance. Now, not everybody can do that because some jobs require you to be on your computer and you have to tick a certain amount of hours that your keyboard goes or sure. you have to be in the office. Sure. That's been the beauty of being a trial attorney because a lot of that stuff doesn't have to be done in an office. A lot of that prep can be done at home when your kids are asleep or a day like today. I'm not in the office. I worked all morning and now I'm here with you. So it's that nice balance of you get your fulfillment and what I studied so hard to do, but also I always wanted to be a mom. And then of course, when my third came along, then it was easy. It was much easier than when the two boys were there because I already had a routine. We were already established. And she just added the, she was the little sugar to our spicy life. Yeah, right. So would you give some other people, because everybody doesn't have this, right? Everybody doesn't doesn't have this internal, like, I can time manage, I can organize. What are some tips or some tricks or things that help you to develop you know, the routine that you've now been able to establish. You know, it's funny. I, this is my life, right? So I live it every day. But after you and I spoke yesterday, I was thinking of like things to touch on that I felt were important, things I wanted to communicate effectively. And so I was reading up on a few things last night and I read this thing about success and I found it very interesting. I was actually telling a friend this morning. Okay. It said, success is action and self-discipline. And those are the only two things you need. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but those are two really powerful words. And I can really apply those to myself. It's, it's very hard to have self-discipline. I, I, it's hard for me. Yes. But I force myself, you know, to get up at 530 in the morning and either go for a run or go to the gym, get my creative juices, juices flowing, flowing. Right. Yep. Get it, need something. Get it out. Just alone time. I disconnect from my phone. Um, I put my AirPods in and I just go in my basement and I get on that treadmill or I go to the gym and, you know, do a heavy lifting workout and I don't answer my phone for a solid hour. Of course, you know, then I get back in the car and drive home. It's like ding, ding, ding. It's like blowing up. But that's like your you time. You need to, I think every woman needs that escape of the me time, that wellness, that, that mental and emotional time to just be. A hundred percent. And you have to... you know, you can find it in any part of the day. For me, I can't, it's very hard for me to self-motivate with three kids and school calls and office calls at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 p.m. 5.30 in the morning, 
Nobody's calling me. I don't have any obligation. So I use that time to start my day, set an intention, set an action, whatever it is I'm going to do that day. And when I get home or when I'm done, 6.30 in the morning, everybody's starting to get up. And that's when the day starts. And from 6.30 to 8.30, it is chaos between everybody's got to eat breakfast, everybody's got to get ready for work, get ready for school, pack lunches, get on the bus. And then at 8.30, you know, I feel like half my day's gone. It feels like it's yeah. it's noon. But then that's when you have to like really time manage. That's when I think like, okay, I'm going to work from this time to this time. I have to do a target pickup. I have to meet Brooke. Then at three o'clock, I have to do this. And it's by the time it's eight o'clock at night, you're exhausted. But totally, it feels good to me to get to tick all those boxes during the day. And again, mm-hmm. it's self-discipline. I love to sit home some days and just <laughs> watch Real Housewives, to be honest with you. But our guilty pleasures, right? Time it is for our guilty pleasures, but but it's that my meantime. But it's a mindset of of that mental that that breath that <sighs> and right? mi- and mindless activity is also really good activity. I find so sure. watching the escape. It's escapism right. of it all. Like I just need time. And when the kids go to sleep, you know, sometimes my husband goes in the office or, you know, does whatever. Or he's not. In the, in the family room with me, that's when I just sit there and I put on like Real Housewives and I watch other people do really mindless stuff. And it's great because it just gives you that moment to escape from your own life and all the things that you just did all day long. And then you wake up and start it all over again. <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day. Right. But then on days, you know, I go to the office. That's a full day of we have a much tighter schedule in the morning because I have to be out of the house at a certain time to miss rush hour and I have to be at work at a certain time. So they're out. And they get home and, you know, I require them to, for that hour or two that I'm not there when I'm still at work and they're home from school, I just ask them, like, because they're old enough, do your homework. Make it easier on me so that when I come home, we can spend time together and I'm not arguing with you about yeah, fractions. So you have to org- yeah, so you have to organize the kids. Okay, do homework, do, right. any, you know, follow up on this. I mean, you know that. what it's like. Oh, I, it's, I know. I've got lists. I need lists. <laughs> trying to do fourth or fifth grade math. You have a fifth grader, you know how crazy it is. It's impossible. I sit there some days and think to myself, oh, geez. Like, I was like, did I ever learn this? I no. don't remember learning this. And do you need this? I don't know. Counting backwards <laughs> to subtract or add. I'm like, I don't even understand what's and happening. And the new here. math. I'm like, there's new math every year. I can't handle the new math, the old math. <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's overwhelming because I think people don't realize the many, many hats that not only do you wear, but you're pre-wearing throughout the day to try and figure out what you need to do and and where everybody needs to go and and be a leader and be, you know, an advocate and do everything that you do in that time frame. It's like it's wicked. When I mentor young or you know young attorneys or people going into the legal field, men or women, I go back to that thing I just spoke about, the action and self-discipline. And I tell them, you can do any of this. It all sounds hard. It all sounds unmanageable. It sounds like, you know, an unrealistic life. But really, once you once you put one foot forward, the other one follows. And then you just start to do. You just it just becomes habit. And if you can keep those habits, it it everything falls into place. And what's interesting, you did talk about like your me time and I know you you said about exercising. I know some of the other things you enjoy are, are reading. What are some of the other kind of 
escapes and we talk and real housewives. But like, what are some of the other hobbies and activities that kind of put your mind at ease that that give you that balance for your days? Well, my escapes aren't necessarily solo. They're not. They're not necessarily just me time. Like me time can be like today, spending this time with you, or going out to dinner, or hosting an event at my house. Mm -hmm. It's it's a disconnect from family. It's a disconnect from work. It's spending time with people who lift you up, who you enjoy being around, who take you out of your reality for two or three hours, and you know you talk about all kinds of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you've been sure. you've been at the girl dinners I've been at. I mean, yeah. we range the we go from here to there in a matter yeah. of ten minutes, and then back yeah. to here. It's it's great, and that's having that support system is a good escape for me. Having different yeah. perspectives of different friends who do different things work-wise, mom-wise, activity-wise. I always love to learn from other people what they're doing, what they what they do every day. And again, it could be it could be anything, but I'm always interested to hear because I like to get involved in that stuff if I can, if I have the time. Yeah. And that's really cool because I think every one of my guests, we always get to that there's like this female support system it's like this the the, the diva groups of right. of 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 the the people that we need surrounding us to lift us up and i think everybody needs that and it is hard to find that how how hard has it been when like you're saying you're getting you have a challenging career you have three kids at home that are certainly that's a lot of work and 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 time and effort um but when do you have time to be and make those friends and develop that kind of network of, of women that can support you? So it's very hard to do that. When I moved to Morristown in 2014, I had a two-year, an almost two-year-old and a six-month-old, and I was working in Philadelphia. So factor in a commute, factor mm-hmm. in a brand new town, we moved here drawing a circle on the map of New Jersey and saying, let's find some good school districts. Let's find out where we can afford a house. And this is where we landed. Um, it wasn't because family was here. It wasn't because we knew anybody. We moved, bought a house, and hi, we're the Schlechters. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. We knew nobody. Um, so you were starting fresh. Starting- so you're from, you're from a, a city urban center where literally you could probably walk outside and go to 20 different places. And now you're in the middle of suburbia, completely different vibe feeling and, and people, like you said, you're not from around here and you're like transplanted and now you have to start all over again. And you have at the time, the two kids and you know, right. And how do you do that? You get involved with your little ones and you meet people and they introduce you to people. But I had heard from, there was a law mom group that someone had recommended me to. I don't even remember how. And it was at a woman's home. And then I, so I met a lot of lawyers, but I wasn't in the schools yet because my littles were little. Sure, little. Um, And she said to me, you know, how has it been making friends? And we actually talked about that that one day. I said, you know, I haven't met a lot of people because I'm not, I'm not out. I don't, I'm not a stay-at-home mom, so I'm not doing a lot of well, right. activities. You're a career mom. On the days so I'm home. Hard. On the days you're home, you're working or juggling things in your home. Or taking so. my two-year-old to yeah. places a two-year-old while also I'm towing a six-month-old. Um, and she said to me, she's like, when you get in the schools and your kids make friends, your group will start to expand. You won't necessarily be just friends with your kids 
friends' moms. You'll be friends, like you'll meet them and then they'll introduce you and you'll just see like all these different, like a tree. Everything will just start to branch off in certain directions. Yeah, grow. And it takes a while. You have to be patient. Sure. But that's what happened. And once my boys got so and I met people, things became much easier. You're getting invited to birthday parties and you're forced to stand with a mom at Sky Zone where you're both like, this is the worst. <laughs> and, right. and you just start making small talk over, oh, where does your child go to school? What grade are they in? Yeah. Who's their teacher? And that kind of, you find your similarities with those people. And then it either sticks or it doesn't. And most of the time, if it doesn't stick, you still know those people. It's still a connection. It's still a friendly face. They might not be the people that you go to dinner with or have over your home, sure. but it's still... It's still an acquaintance, still an acknowledgement, which is always nice, right? You see people. You, sure. You wave to them. You say hi. You make small talk. You feel comfortable standing with them. It's it's doable, it's, but it's hard to get there. No, I know. And and so now you you were adjusting and you were adjusted. And now it's you also want to make sure that as a mom and as a career mom, you know, you're not stay at home and being able to have maybe – um, 24 seven dealing with all the school activities all the time. How do you make sure then also that your kids are doing the same that you did, that the kids are making friends, that they have a support system, that they're getting what they need because that's just as important, right? As you doing your day to day and your career, that's for your kids. So how are you handling that? That involves going to the local playgrounds on the weekend, even when you're tired, even if you don't want to. T-ball, sports, all the little sports that people say, oh, you know, I can't believe you're doing soccer at two years old. But you're really not doing soccer so your kid's going to be Pele. You're doing it because right. your children meet people. They learn how to socially interact with other children. Sure. They learn how to deal with and meet other parents. And that that's what we did, which it's very time consuming and very boring. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in a gymnasium watching your two-year-old not yeah. kick a ball and run up and down, you know, a gymnasium. Right. But it's mutually beneficial for everybody. And you, because you're sitting with those parents sure. and you're talking to them and your sure. son or daughter is running up and down. And then they say, they get to kindergarten and say, oh, I remember when so-and-so was in my, you know, soccer class or baseball. Yeah. Like, And that's how you make sure that works. And you just keep them, you keep them involved as much as you can without overburdening them or yourself. What has been the most difficult thing being the working mom and 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 with your flex time and, and being a wife and a mom and all those things? What has been the most difficult area for you? The most difficult area? It would probably be my energy level. There mm. are just yeah. some days I am, I'm just exhausted. Your tank is empty. And I, no matter what, no matter what is happening, it could be a great day. My kids could be behaving. The day could be going great. But if you just don't have that energy, you're having a terrible day and you're tired. And and it's not anybody else that's doing anything wrong. It's just you just don't feel like it. And that makes it hard some days. Like, you know, my kids get home from school some days. I work from home. I should be, I should feel energized, right? I didn't commute. I didn't have to get dressed up. Sure. But I'm just tired and they come home and you think to yourself, I just don't feel like dealing with this right yeah, now. No, listen. So it's hard. That's and hard. And I love that you share that because a lot of people are scared to share that. They're like afraid like that you're not like this perfect oh, no. box. You know what I mean? That it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And I think a lot of women are scared to share that. They are. And it's, you know, that's 
again, when I talk to younger attorneys and they're thinking about how am I going to get married? How am I going to have kids and do this and do that? And it's one of those things that you cannot plan. You just have to, you have to see what fits, right? I wouldn't do, I wouldn't be a book fair chair if I felt overburdened. I wouldn't volunteer in the areas I volunteer for if I thought I couldn't do it. I can do it. But I mean, some days you, things just catch up to you and you're tired and Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be. Everybody's tired. I mean, my kids have the same kind of thing. They yeah. have days that, you know, they're just tired and nothing is going wrong in the world. Nothing's going wrong in their life. It's just, like you said, your tank is empty and you've just had enough for a day. And you have to force yourself to just, you know, power oh, through. Yeah, power through it. Do it. Yeah. No, and and, and I and I totally agree. Um, I wanted to go back to you had said about a few times you had um Explain about this mentoring young um, attorneys. Okay. What are some of the things that they come to you? What are some of those number one things that they come to you? Because that's a, it's a huge um, career path, right? It's additional schooling. It's a lot of working up the ladder to get to where you are. And I think being a female, a lot of us, like you said early on, do I do the stay-at-home mom thing? I do want to have kids, but I want to work to be a partner. I want to work to grow in a firm or something like that. There's a lot of things going on with in 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 the legal realm. Right. What do you say to these young women that work with you and that you're mentoring? What what are some of the things that you share with them? Well, a lot of them have this preconceived notion with the stigma on, of being an attorney that you know, you have to be success driven. If you're not, you have to, there's always going to be success. You're going to be this great lawyer and you're going to do these great things and you're going to make a lot of money. That is not true. That is not true. There are plenty of areas of law where, you know, you're a civil servant or you're in a corporate law or you have a government job or, you know, you're head of a bank, you might be of counsel. There's tons of different things and there's different ranges of salaries. There's from wherever to wherever. Right. It's what you make of it. And it's what you want to do, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Do what you want to do. I, you know, I took a job out of law school because I got the job and it was a well-paying job at the time. And I thought it was going to be a great fit for me. And it was a terrible fit for me. It was terrible. I was, I was miserable. And after nine months, I left and I moved through another job and then got the job I have now, which I've had for almost 20, yeah, 20 years. Um, and I love it. And it's, it's a, it's a great job for Not me. Not everybody can say that, though. No. That's, and that's amazing. And to me, that is what success is. It doesn't it, – you don't have to make a ton of money. You don't have to be a named partner. You don't have to be – all these things that society defines what a lawyer is, that's that's not realistic. So do what you want to do and make yourself happy because if you're not happy, especially at work where you devote so much of your life to, oh God, that yeah. rolls right over into your, your personal per, – Yeah, your, and if you have a family, you're going to be snapping at your kids. You're going to be miserable and – I don't know why anybody would waste their time doing that unless they absolutely had to for a financial reason, a living situation, whatever that case may be. It's not It's not worth it. So knowing what you know now, <laughs> what would you tell your uh, young self entering law school if you could tell your young self anything? What would I tell my young self? Right? You just got accepted to law school. You're ready to go. What would you tell your young self? Brooke, if I'm being honest, yeah. I, did, I did everything I wanted to do. Oh, that's wanted. good. You know, I'm, Not I, everybody can say that. I so, think, but for me, I so think I was just- Kudos to you for 
being driven because you are, you have that, you know, inside you, not everybody is motivated. Not everybody has that motivation. Like every time I see you, you are like rambunctious. You're ready to go. You're happy, happy. You're hurrah. You're like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? You're like one of those people that, you know, on a bad day, I feel like I'm going to call Jane and she's going to lift me up and she's going to tell a joke or a funny thing or something. Or we're happens. going to lunch. <laughs> or we're, yeah, we just got to go, go get a cup of coffee or lunch. And it's like, I could just laugh for hours, but not everybody has that. And I feel like if you can say like, yeah, I did what I came to do and I, you know, and then you're supporting that mantra and you're helping young women. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, I don't know what I would have done differently because I don't really know what my other path would have been. But I just kind of, you know, for me, it was just like a rolling snowball. I went to college and it rolled right into law school and it rolled right into my first job in Philadelphia. And I'd never lived in Philadelphia and I fell in love with the city. So at that point, I knew I wanted to stay, but I was unhappy in my job. So it was kind of like it was a sink or swim. Right. What do you do at this point? Do you just keep rolling in the same direction or do you change? But you knew path? you needed to change, right? And all I did was change my job, but everything else stayed the same. I kept the same friends in the same, you know, I lived in the same area and I just, I mean, I loved it, mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. And then of course I met my husband and we, we did the same thing. We stayed in Philadelphia for a while and then with kids, it just became impossible to stay. I mean, I would have tried to figure it out, but the school system isn't as great and we needed more space. All the things that, you know, you think about when you're not thinking about yourself, when you're thinking about raising a family, how are you going to make them, how are you going to give them a good life? My husband, who came from Bucks County, was like, we need a backyard and a driveway and a garage and bikes and all the things that... And you're like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> all the things I wasn't thinking about. But right. when someone else puts it in perspective for you, you think, okay, well, time to make a change. But it's been a great change. I mean, I have no complaints. We did the right thing. We ended up in the right spot and we were where we should be. So I have some really um, fun questions oh, no. that I have. <laughs> <laughs> that I have. And these are like those interesting questions that are from all over, but I wanted to just pick one up and, and ask you, this is a great one for you. Describe your perfect day. My perfect day. Okay. My perfect day is I get up, I get to go to the gym. I come home. My kids are up. They want to eat breakfast. They want to get dressed. They want to pack their things. They go to school. I can get some work done and then if I have a couple hours, I can run my errands by myself without anybody in tow, without having to buy another lip gloss or Pokemon cards <laughs> at Target, and then come home and feel refreshed from getting everything done. Just go on about our day, whether that's sports practices or sit home, have dinner. That's kind of a good day for me. All right. My last question, then we're going to wrap up. If you had the attention of the world for 10 seconds, what would you say? That's easy. Just be kind. I tell my kids that all the time. Have a good day and be kind and behave. Two things I say to them every day. Just three things, right? Kind. I guess that would be three. No. Be kind and behave. It. I love it. That's all you have to do. Because if you can be nice to people, even if it's not reciprocated, I know that you've done your best. And whatever fallout comes from whatever was said, who did something to someone, did you act kind in that moment? And if you did, then I'm good with it. We'll figure every, everything else can be figured out. But if you weren't, then we have a problem. Then it becomes a different situation, which then follows with the, if you can't be kind, but if you can't be kind, please just behave. Jane's like, let's see what else there is. Please, please. 
And they do a good job of that. And they, they remember. I mean, when I talk to them about adversities in school, they're, I always say, like, you know, so tell me what happened. But I did it, I did it in a nice voice. I said, well, that's not really being kind, but I appreciate the effort. Um, so throughout our discussion here, I've been writing down some of your key words and phrases and I, and I go through them and I use them as hashtags. Okay. And then after I read them, I ask my guests, what is their personal hashtag? So it's kind of like a summary of what we just talked about. So think about this. I'm going to read through them for you. Uh, hashtag organization, hashtag prioritizing, hashtag isolating, hashtag invigorated, uh, new mom, bias, beneficial, routine, success, action and discipline, self-motivate, mentor, unmanageable, energy, can't plan, what you make of it, love it, do what you want to do, just be kind. What would be your personal hashtag? Do I only get one? You can do a few. Go ahead. I'm up for it. Definitely a hashtag self-discipline. That's the only thing that gets me through because it's it's me, myself, and I when it comes to what happens in my day, right? I mean, right. other people can throw me off, but if I can keep my wits about me or just continue to move on, rise above, rise below, or sink below, whatever it's going to be, that's on me. It's on nobody else. And I always have to – that's hard. I remind myself of that a lot sure. when I feel like – you know, things are not going my way. I have to do that. Yeah. Good step back. Um, Definitely hashtag energy. I love energy. (laughs) I know. It's all over your face. I love energy. You are. It's important. It's, it's how I get through my day and hashtag be kind. I try to be kind. I'm not always good at it and it's a work in progress, but I really do make an effort to do the best with what I'm given. Well, I have just had the loveliest conversation. So I am so happy that you took me up on this offer. I know. And uh, and and kudos to you for really being, um, you know, that empowering female perspective. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And I look up to you and and I am so grateful that, that you joined me today. Thanks. And I will say, you know, this was, it's very hard to talk about yourself and like all the right? things you do. So- <laughs> this was a challenge for me today. This was one of those things that like you have to really put your self discipline. Yeah, because <laughs> it's hard to be like, I do all these things. And then you, then I'm going to go home in an hour and be like, why are you guys fighting? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. me, Brooke. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC Podcast Network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast available on all streaming platforms.